0: I'm talking about healing and inner healing so that was some awesome stuff. And so tonight we're moving on to uh in your book, your workbook is 13 and 14, I believe. Yes. 13, 13 and 14. There's a notebook paper, whatever. You want to join this, David? No, you're good. Okay. <laughs> well, let, let's let uh, let's open in prayer. So, Father, we just thank you for this night. We thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Word of God. We just thank you for all the foundations that you're laying in our lives as we as we work through this. God, I just pray for each and every person here to have endurance. Lord, that we won't give up on pressing in. We are about halfway through tonight, God, and we just thank you for us being able to finish well. And so we want to press on in our study, in our work, in our uh, devotion to you and to studying the Word of God. And so we, we thank you for giving us grace to do that, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you would have us focus on tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so what we're focusing on tonight is, first of all, is what is my new life in Christ like? And so I want somebody to read Hebrews uh, chapter 8 and verse 10. You want to open your Bible if you have it and go to Hebrews 8 and verse 10. Yes. But this is the New Covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So one of the key things we can start with, and this is so important that we start with this right here, is in the New Covenant um, our relationship with God is not about laws and rules. It's about a relationship with God and Him... Touching our hearts, Him writing His law on our hearts. Because we're gonna we're gonna talk about some stuff where Jesus, you know, goes into the uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And he gives some, He says some challenging stuff. And if we look at that as just like, here's one more rule that I have to follow. Here's I, I better do this. I better be a good person. I better try to be better. That's not that's not what the meaning of it is. It's starting with you have been your heart has been changed. The new covenant is. Your heart, you're given a new heart. Uh, you had a heart of stone, but now you've given a, a, a responsive, a soft heart to respond to God. And it's in relationship with Him that this all happens. So it's not meant to be just, uh, here's some more things you can do. Uh, who needs some more rules in their life, you know? How many of us want more rules in our life? We don't need rules, but what, what Jesus offers us in the Sermon on the Mount is what it looks like when you live with his life to me that's what I really believe it's not like hey you need to try to get here Jesus is say here's where I'm gonna take you here's what you're gonna to begin to look like and he gives them to us so we can evaluate because it's okay to evaluate yourself it's okay to check in and say how's this going Lord Am I, you know do, do I look like you because what what Jesus wants of course is he wants representatives of him he wants the family of God to represent him so that we are attractive so that other people want to join God's family and get to, know, get to know Him better. So if you want to go to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, we'll start there, on the Sermon on the Mount. This is probably the longest, this is the longest passage where we just have Jesus continually a you know, recording of Jesus basically preaching a whole sermon. Uh, it's literally a Sermon on the Mount. One thing I recommend, and, and they recommended it at the end of this section. Uh, for those of you that have your workbook, um, you know at the end of the section they give you a song to listen to, some, have anybody noticed that? They've got like a YouTube address or they'll say, hey, watch this, you know, watch this video or, or different things. Um, there's really some good stuff. I encourage you to check that out. Um, Like this one says, Watch Jesus give the Sermon on the Mount from the visual Bible. And I love the visual Bible, which is the Gospel of Matthew. Um, It came out and it's been... It came out before I moved to Midland. So that's more than 15 years ago. But it's a great... It's a word-for-word presentation of the book of Matthew acted out. And Jesus in that is so awesome because it like... He he's uses some humor, he uses some different inflections, where sometimes we read the Sermon on the Mount, we're just like, na-na-na-na-na-na. And you see, I mean, to me, it just br- brings it to life. So I would really recommend, uh, if you can find the Visual Bible, like I originally had it on something called VHS. <laughs> some of you remember that, VHS? <laughs> I, I did upgrade to the DVD version at some point, uh, and I have a copy somewhere, Uh, If you want to try to borrow it and and watch it sometime, it's really great. But really just brings Jesus to life and the Sermon on the Mount where it's like you get to see God's heart. I really believe it shows God's heart. To me, that's the biggest thing about that. So sometimes those things at the end, there's some good suggestions. So I think, I don't think they're just like trying to randomly put something at the end of those studies and say, oh, this might be a good idea. Let's just throw something together, you know. Throw on one of those worship songs that they say and kind of reflect with God. I think it could be a really powerful time. Uh, you, know, there's, you know, there's been a couple times where I've done that as well. So uh, that was free. Um, so Matthew 5, um, we're just going to read the first section, 1 through 12. Uh, does anybody want to read uh, 1 through 6? You want me to read it so you can all hear? Okay, we have a suggestion to make sure we can all hear it. So I'll go ahead and read it. Um, who were before you." And so Jesus, basically what I think the Beatitudes are, and I heard one of my teachers say this, so I'm giving it to you, this is not in the workbook, so this is the, the extra credit stuff here tonight, is <clears throat> that the Beatitudes, that's what that section is called, the Beatitudes, blessed are this, so that this, you know, there's a, there's a statement and then there's a blessing, um, an attitude of the heart and a, and a blessing, but basically what he said was, You know, the rest of chapters 5, 6, and 7, Jesus unpacks all those statements. But he does it in reverse order. In other words, this is an outline for all the next sections. And he starts with with the last one. You know, he said, Blessed are, you know, when you're persecuted. And he talks about being persecuted. And he talks about right away, what is he talking about? Uh, You're the salt of the earth. You're being a witness, in other words. And that's how you're you're going to, you know, Influence people and there's going to be people that come against you. Uh, then right away, what's the next section? You know, you've heard that it was said, don't murder. But I say anyone who um, is even angry with their brother is subject to judgment. Blessed are the peacemakers. So it's kind of like if you break it down in reverse order, uh, it's, it's pretty fascinating. The only one that, again, it's my teacher. There's one that I'm like, eh, it's a little bit of a stretch. You know, it's, I think it's the one about the, it's the blessed are those who mourn. It's near the end, and it, to me that one's a little bit of a stretch, but it, it mostly works, because you go to where it's like, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and Jesus talks about praying and seeking God, and, and um, what, what is the other thing? Fasting, you know, what is that? That's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. So in some ways, if that, if that helps you, you can go through and say, hey, Jesus is unpacking uh, the rest of the Beatitudes in the whole rest of the chapters of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, it's at the end where he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open." If you're poor in spirit, you're dependent upon someone else. You're asking, you're seeking, you're knocking, you're dependent upon God, you're trusting him. So, pretty fascinating, that was totally free, uh, but it's something you can, you can look at. Uh, but Jesus, uh, just as... You know, in the Old Testament, they gave the Ten Commandments. Jesus kind of, kind of says, "Hey, here's, here's things." And all through this section, he's saying, "You've heard that it was said." And here's the deal about the new covenant. You think does it get easier? No, it actually gets harder. I mean, what does Jesus say? He says, "Hey, in the old covenant was the Ten Commandments. Don't commit adultery." And then Jesus says, "Hey, but listen. If you even look at someone else with lust," You've already committed adultery in your heart. Which one is easier to keep? You know the old. <laughs> Why did Jesus do that? Because He says I'm going to give you a new heart, so you're go- it's going to be possible for you to keep the law. Now it's going to be possible for you to enter into this. So this is this is you know this is not meant to say here's something you should measure up to so you can be a good person. No, Jesus is saying. Look at the possibilities when you have a new heart. Look at the possibilities. Look how different you're going to be. You know, and here's it's a grid. It's it's a it's a it's an outline to say here's how you know how you're living in this. You know, you have got unforgiveness in your heart. You you know, go reconcile with, with your with someone else. You know, bless are the pure in heart for they will see God. You know, there's there's things in in my life that need to be taken care of, and so. Um, Jesus again and again makes relationship with God about our hearts. So again, it's not the things on the outside that matter, it's the things on the inside. And my thing is Jesus is giving us a promise, especially in the Hebrews 8, hey, I'm gonna give you a new heart and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write my laws on your heart. So the change in you is gonna come from the inside out rather than from the outside in. And so, but Jesus then addresses the heart issues. What does he start with? He starts with our words. Um, Jesus taught that what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of our heart's condition. Um, It says in uh, Matthew 12, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. And so... But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account on the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned." See what's happening is Jesus is pointing again to the heart. He's pointing to the heart, saying, hey, the things that are coming out of the mouth, the issue is the heart, and because he says, I want you to have the same heart that I do. And he's giving us the opportunity to have the same heart because he's given us, as we learn in other sections, the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to give you the one inside you who's going to lead you into truth, who has the heart of God, who knows He he is the heart of the Father in me. And so I'm going to be led to that, and so out of that, but on the outside we can look at ourselves and go, okay, how am I doing? it's It's not looking at myself to say, does God love me? Am I a good person? It's not like that. It's just saying, how am I doing in my walk with God? How am I doing representing Jesus? He paid a, a great price for me to represent Him. How's my mouth doing? How are my words doing? And if my words are, there's something wrong with my words, I don't need to worry about my mouth so much. I need to start with my heart. I need to get in to say, what, what's going on inside here that's causing the words to come out of my mouth? Because if I deal with just the mouth and the heart still has an issue, then it's going to show up in a different area. Maybe my words are fine, but uh, I'm going to just, just store up anger in my heart towards someone. I'm just not going to say anything. I'm just going to stuff it all in. I got the words down, God. I stuffed everything in. He's like, no, nope, that's, <laughs> that's not what I want either. I, I want you to be free. I want you to be be cleansed. I want you to have a pure heart. I want it to be, you know where you can see God and so Jesus had other warnings about our heart um, he talked about not swearing in Matthew 5 33 to 37 in other words don't uh, not swearing like cuss words but like don't say I'm gonna I have to swear to do this in other words just let your yes be yes and your no be no in other words, you don't have to add on something to say well, I swear I'll do it I mean it, that would be today's language and I don't say this people say, no, no, I will. I swear to God. <laughs> that means your word is not enough on its own. You have to add something to it. Jesus is just saying, hey, your word on its own can be enough. When your heart's right, your word on its own, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to carry through on this. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you don't, you don't need that. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. J- just speak. Um So Proverbs 18.21, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Uh, Many of us have read that scripture before. Proverbs 15.4, kind words are like medicine, good medicine, but deceitful words can really hurt. Um, John 8 talks about the language of the devil is lying. So if I find myself where I'm lying all the time, again, what is the issue? There's an issue in the heart that God wants to, wants to bring out and deal with. Because uh, I think last week we probably talked a little bit about the body, soul, and spirit. You know, your spirit is where you're changed. Your soul is the heart where God's still working. In other words, if there's something wrong, it's not in your spirit, it's in, it's in your soul, where God is saying, hey, let's deal with that. Uh, we're going to deal with it on the inside, but we can deal with that. So if there's a lying tongue is, is uh, you know, I'm joining my words with the enemy. I don't I don't want to agree with the enemy. I mean, who of us would say, today I'm gonna I'm gonna line up my mouth with the devil? None of us are gonna say that, but there's times where our mouths are lining up with him, where I'm in agreement with him. And Jesus said, if you're in agreement with two or three people on on earth about anything, you know, I don't want to be in agree I want to be in agreement with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I want to be in agreement with what God is saying. And so I gotta watch my mouth. So Jesus next, you know, that's just one of the areas. He talks about, hey, this is an issue of the heart. Uh, He talks about our attitude in persecution. Um, In other words, loving our enemies. Uh, Man, wouldn't it have been nicer if Jesus just said, hey, love love all the the people that love you. (laughs) But what does Jesus say here? He says, hey, everybody does that. I want you to look different. I want you to, I want people to notice and say, What is wrong with you? (laughs) In a good way. (laughs) I want what you have. What's wrong with you? How come you don't, you you know, how come you don't join in with this? How come you don't join in with that? And, you know, it is natural to hate your enemies. It is supernatural to love your enemies. We can't do that on our own. It's not, we're not going to try harder and like, oh man, I'm really going to do that. Now, that's got to be a work where heaven, where God is touching my heart to, to love people in such a way, even those who are opposing me. Did Jesus do that? Yeah, he did. It's possible for a human, because Jesus was fully human. He was fully God. I'm not saying he wasn't God, but he was demonstrating this is what it looks like for a life lived fully unto God, fully full of God's Holy Spirit. Uh, Next section goes into talking about judgment and anger. Uh, Jesus says, you know, hey, that Old Testament says do not murder or do not kill. Um, but I tell you, if you're angry with your brother, if you say brother or sister, if you uh, you carelessly call your brother, you know, different translations are going to say, uh, different words, but it's just a derogatory word, stupid, idiot, uh, whatever. Um, you might find yourself hauled in the court, but if you call someone raka, you fool, empty, basically you, you are nothing, you are empty. Um, in other words, you're, you're saying something that is totally devaluing who that person is. Um, it says you're in danger of the fire of hell. In other words... What's that saying? Man, you're, you're, on, you're lining up with the wrong side <laughs> right now. Jesus wasn't talking about the words, it was about the heart. That's what I believe. I mean the word rakah there is, I mean there's a lot of different translations there. Uh, the one most that I've seen most is you fool, but really it was talking about you're, you're empty, you're empty headed, you're, you're, you're nothing. Uh, and to me I think it's where Jesus is ultimately saying, hey look. When you devalue another human that's created in, in the image of God, um, that's the most serious thing because you're saying you're, you're worthless. And Jesus is saying, no, you're worth my blood. And so I don't want my anger to line up with how the devil views everybody, every single person in the world as worthless. Jesus moves into judgment what happens is don't condemn others and god won't condemn you god will be on, as hard on you as you are on others judging here is talking about condemning or punishment i mean it's talking about um you know basically saying you you will never change ultimately a judgment is is to declare something that's you know this is this is going to be a definition of on on this person forever and they're never going to get out of it, Because ultimate judgment there's a there's a there's a price you know when Terry is a judge makes a judgment boom it's going to happen um, and so it was a serious thing it wasn't just making a decision. we judge all the time we make a decision that's that's a judgment um, that's not what Jesus is talking about there um, there's a difference between judging people and judging the spirits I don't know if it went i don't remember in the homework there, how it goes into there. But I do like that here, uh, Dave, on the notes. It says, uh, God has called all of us to judge or war against the spirits of evil. So we ha- we have to make judgments. We have to judge. So anybody who says we should never judge, uh, that's not in the Scripture. Uh, we're supposed to judge rightly. We're supposed to judge with the heart of God. Uh, where we get off track is when we're judging outside of those boundaries, outside of those... those uh, safe places, you know, the, where we're, we're in the heart of God. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. This is Second Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. Uh, we cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive in, into the obedience of Jesus Christ. And so, um, here's some guidelines for judging righteously like God. Number one, Jesus says, judge yourself. Uh, Matthew 7, 3 through 5, it says, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't consider the plank in your own eye? In other words, <laughs> you've got a big issue, and you're worried about a small issue. Isn't that always how it happens? When you can get on to somebody, or somebody just drives you crazy, and you start getting on to them, and then you've got to have God say... Hello? <gasps> Hello? <gasps> Let's do we want to do a comparison here? We're talking a little piece of wood in their eye, and you got this thing. <laughs> you got a big two by four. Um, I love the visual Bible because I think you grab something and starts, you know, going like this, you know. What happens when you've got a two by four in your eye? When I try to go up to Trey and say, How are you doing? <laughs> I knock him upside the head, even though I'm not trying to. You know, it's just like, it's just coming out of me all the time. You know, I'm just hitting you with a two by four. And, you know, that's, I think Jesus is giving the picture to say, look, it's a ridiculous, I mean, he's being a little bit funny. It's okay for Jesus to be funny. He's like, look, you've got a big old giant thing in your eye and you're worried about what's in, I mean, that's how it is, is the enemy wants you to start focusing in on everybody else's little things that. Nah, nah, nah. Well, Ronnie this, well, Dave that. Well, I'm just picking people up. I don't have anything for you, really. So, you know, and, and we, it's like, oh, man. So Jesus says, look, hey, let me, uh, or how can you say to brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your eye. Look what it says. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, it's not that it's wrong to want to help someone else get free. It's just you have to be in the right place where you're coming with the right motivation of your heart to where you, and also you're going to be able to do it, because if you've got a plank in your eye, you know, it's like the doctor doing surgery with like some kind of weird contraption on his hand. he's like, "Hold on, I'm going to cut your open hair." And you're like <laughs> Edward Scissorhands is coming at you, you know. Everybody remember that movie? I never saw it. <laughs> but I didn't see the preview, and the guy had a lot of scissors on his hands, right? Edward Scissorhands. No clue what the movie is about. But, you know, you don't want Edward Scissorhands, you know, trying to cut you with a scalpel, you know. It's like, what's going on there, bro? No. You know, take care, take care of that first. <laughs> and then you'll be able to see clearly. In other words, there is a time where we can see clearly when those were in relationship and help them get the speck out. So in other words, there is healthy judgment between one another as brothers and sisters. But it starts first with judging ourselves, And then, number two, um, judge only the things of God. In 1 Corinthians 5, it says, why should I judge outsiders? Aren't we supposed to judge only church members or those in the church? God judges everyone else. The scriptures say, chase away any of your own people who are evil. Uh, and so we have to make sure, that's another big thing for us, is we're not called to judge the world. Here's the deal. A lot of the stuff on social media is Christians judging the world. <laughs> Pointing out what's wrong with, can't, this is, this? that's not our job. And I'm not saying we don't speak truth, that's absolutely not what I'm saying, but If all we're spilling out is judgment of what what the world is doing wrong, that's not our job. Jesus did say, you judge those within the church. Or Paul did in Corinthians, excuse me. In other words, there's supposed to be a relationship where someone can speak into my life and say, this is wrong. That's what I signed up for. That's the body of Christ. Where I've got someone, again, it's not everybody. It's not somebody who doesn't know me. It's not somebody who just met me and says, let me tell you, I've only met you for a few minutes, but I'm going to show you all the things wrong with you. No, it's, it's meant to be in relationship. It's meant to be where my heart trusts your heart, your heart trusts my heart, and you can speak into my life. And so, but we're supposed to, you know, number three, don't judge, I've already said that, don't judge those, those things outside the church, show love. You know, love is, is a greater draw to people than judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment it says in the book of James. So we just have to be careful. Again, it's speak the truth in love. It means we're not it doesn't mean we're not speaking the truth. It just it's very difficult sometimes for us to separate truth and judgment. Especially for those who don't know the Lord like we act like people should should know. And they don't. They're like sheep without a shepherd. It's like Jesus when he saw the crowds, what did it say? It says Jesus had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. So he didn't start with, let me tell you what's wrong with you. He started with, let me, let me heal you. Let, let, me, let me love you. Did Jesus get to the, yeah, he did. The closer you got to Jesus, the more serious he got. It's the same for us. Um, the more you walk with Jesus, um, the, the road gets narrower and narrower. It's you know it's there's going to be things that that just go out of your life that just become unimportant that God removes from your life it, it becomes a narrower road what did Jesus say that's in that's in the Sermon on the Mount broad is the road that leads to destruction and there's all kinds of people on that road big old huge highway but but narrow is the road that leads to life and and only a few find it and so when you're walking with the Lord your your life is going to you know it's like you start out on this huge highway and lanes start going off. Here's the deal. God is getting you to the best lane. <laughs> you know, in Dallas, we were in Dallas this last week and there's all kinds of okay, and I don't go to Dallas very often and I use I grew up in LA so I'm you know I'm used to lots of freeways and big city. I just forget, you know. And then I get back into Big city mode. If you know how to drive in the big city, if you grew up in the big city, my wife is so glad I'm driving because she she thinks Lubbock is a big city, and I'm like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> Lubbock is a tiny city <laughs> compared to what, what I grew up with. Um, but you know, they got they have all these lanes built in in Dallas where you've got the regular freeway, and then they've got the some of them are tolls, and some of them are uh, Hov. Yeah, where you get you put the, the, the mannequin in your seat next to you <laughs> blow it up and like I got two people in here. It looks like you got two. I've heard of people that did that. Um, <laughs> I've never done that. You know, so but that lane is so much faster. And to me that's what the life of following Jesus is like. Hey, there's not as many lanes. But it's a lot smoother ride, it's the newer road, it it it's a lot better ride. And you're going to get where you need to go a whole lot faster. And so um, that's what Jesus is talking about. Look, there's going to be... Well, I don't know how we got off on that. I guess that that ties in somewhere. Um, it was free, yep. <laughs> so Jesus focuses a little bit more on uh, inward and outward things um, in chapter 6 there. Um He starts breaking it down for the Pharisees. I mean, some of this we need context for. I mean, literally, there were religious people at that time who would announce with trumpets when they were giving I mean Jesus didn 't say that just because it was an interesting analogy it 's like this is really happening. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, maybe some of you have been in churches where it 's like da, 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 da. you know, can you imagine that we 're going to do the offering now da, 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 da. and you know whoever has the biggest offering, come on up first. I think I got the biggest offering, and we just make an announcement. Here it is. I'm just going to say, John Wymore, come on down. And it's like, hey, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Isn't it ridiculous? But that was, you know, there were some things similar to that that were going on in the religious community where it's like Jesus is like, look, you've totally missed it. And so Jesus went and said, hey, here's what it is. It's, it's, don't even let anybody know. Just let it be between you and God, and your Father who sees what's done in secret. Notice Jesus says, Father. He doesn't say, God. He, t- he points us to relationship, and your Father who sees what's done in secret will, will reward you. In other words, this is meant to be a relationship with a Father, not you doing something good for some deity out there. And so He's pointing us again, I believe, to relationship, you know, He talks about giving, um, you know, our attitudes towards, towards giving, um, our attitudes towards prayer uh, and fasting, um, you know, forgiveness. Um, what's, the, what's the next one? Trusting in God, not worrying about the, uh, you know, if He's going to provide for you. You know, that, that we've, you've got all this stuff that that Jesus is saying, but it's like, hey, look, this is in relationship with your Father. Uh, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, but I tell you the truth, they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Was Jesus saying that we can't pray in public? No, it was, that wasn't the point. The point was the motivation of the heart. In other words, when you're in relationship with the Father, you're gonna you're gonna spend some time with Him, and you're you're gonna pray to Him. And there's gonna be times, uh, you know, where you're all together with someone else. But here's the deal: where the rubber meets the road is when you're by yourself. It's when it's just you and Father God. And I I, I again love how Jesus points to uh, the Father. You know that you're in relationship with him. And what does he say? That's the part at the end of the prayer where he says, and if you if you ha- need to forgive anybody, then forgive them. Man, if you spend any time with God, what what's one of the first things that happens when you spend time with God and you've got unforgiveness in your heart? He's uh, he's going to bring it up. <laughs> you might as well just take care of it first. <laughs> you know, when when you're with the Lord, if there's just say God, is there anybody I need to forgive? I think it's a great prayer to pray. Um, you know, as you're spending time with the Lord, just just ask the Lord. You don't have to search for it. You're not trying to make up somebody to forgive. Just say, Lord, is there anybody I need to forgive right now? And it just keeps your... Because it's about the heart. He's saying, look, forgive and you'll be forgiven. You know, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. You can't experience my forgiveness with unforgiveness in your heart. I mean, that's really what Jesus was saying. It's like, he's not. I want to. He wants to. It's not like, well, if you don't do that, I'm do not going to do it. I'm not going to hold my end of the deal if you don't hold your end of the deal. No, you can't, you can't receive it if you don't have it. If you don't have forgiveness, you know, released in your heart, you're not going to be able to receive God's forgiveness. You know, you're not going to be able to experience it. You know, it's kind of like, I'm going to put up a wall and say, I don't like that, and then I'm expecting God to just break through the wall. He doesn't break through the walls. He comes in through the open doors. If I open the door and let him in, he says, okay, thank you. Jesus, What did Jesus say in Revelation? I stand at the door and knock. He wasn't talking to non... people who didn't know Jesus yet, non-believers. He was talking to the church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That was not written to people who, who did not know Jesus. It was written to ones who did. So he doesn't force his way in the door. He says, I want to come in and eat with you. I want to come in and have... Amazing time with you. Um, I want to fellowship with you, but you've got to let me in. You've got to open the door. And so, to me, forgiveness is is part of opening the door to the Lord. One of the it's one of the key things in in our relationship with God. We all know it. If you've walked with God any time, man, there's gonna be there's gonna be offenses that are gonna come, and you're gonna want to hold something against someone. It's gonna come every single week. I guarantee you, you're gonna have something you can be offended about. Welcome to life. It's not going to change. It doesn't get better as, it, as you get older, does it, Ronnie? I mean, there's still opportunities. I'm not saying Ronnie's old. I'm just saying he's older. <laughs> he's older than me. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it doesn't change, does it? I mean, there's you're going to have an opportunity to be offended at somebody. It's going to keep happening. Um, I don't know, maybe if you just hold yourself up with your cats... Maybe, you know, right? It's not going to happen. It's still, there's still going to be an opportunity. <laughs> you know, we, we can't hide. What Somebody's going to come to the door. I'm offended that you're knocking on my door <laughs> this late or this early or this time. Or <laughs> there's going to be an opportunity. And so Jesus, I think, is just giving this invitation. Hey, keep your heart clean. Because again, what is he talking about? It's all about the heart. It's about our relationship with him. And so, um, Jesus also talks about faithfulness and humility, that we're called to be good stewards. God can only give to us what we can be trusted to steward. Luke sixteen ten says, anyone who can be trusted in little matters can also be trusted in important matters. But anyone who is dishonest in little matters will be dishonest in important matters. You know, I was thinking about this. This is just a thought I had the other day it's, like whenever we run into someone who has a, bit, has a lot of influence on people or a lot of money, I was thinking, man, what a, what a great thing. This, man, God must really trust that person. I mean, assuming they're a believer. Here's what I'm saying. If you find somebody who's like, man, this person is really being blessed by God. Uh, you know, they're rich. Hey, guess what? In my mind, I should be thinking, man, look at how much that God trusts that person. And here's the deal. They were faithful in the little things. Because God says, I'm not going to give you more unless you're faithful with a little. Because I want you to be able to handle it. God says, I don't want this to ruin you. I want you I want I want you to, to be blessed. I want you to be the guy that gets five and gets five more. You know, invests and gets five more. The one with the, you know, five talents or and that, you know, that multiplies. I want you to be one. I don't want you to be the one that hides it. Or I don't want you to be the one that wastes it. So I'm going to give you a little bit. What are you doing with the little bit? How are you being faithful? In the kingdom of God, strength and honor only comes through uh, humility as well. That pride goes before destruction. Proverbs sixteen eighteen says. And uh, Jesus talks about the two guys praying. And one is praying the prayer that's... Uh, you know, thank you, God, that I'm not like all those other people. <laughs> Isn't that one of the funniest parables in there? Can you imagine praying that prayer? Sometimes we've prayed that prayer, probably, in just a different form. We just disguised it in religious language, you know. Oh, Lord, and then I can't believe what they did, Lord. And God's like, uh, when did this prayer turn into something else? <laughs> and this went from prayer to, are you gossiping to me? Are you trying to inform me? um, trying to point the finger, whatever it is. Um, so there, there's a connection with, with humility and, and faithfulness and uh, also being a servant. Jesus said the least in the kingdom uh, is, or the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all. Um, and so the greatest in the kingdom doesn't always look like the one we think it, it's going to look like. And so as we humble ourselves and place the needs of others above us, above ourselves and we're faithful with God gives us then God says hey I can I can lift you up Jesus of course gave us that example you know everything Jesus did was was laying down his life was in humility and finally to wrap up the section talks about walking in love and that's what Jesus did John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. That's John 15, 13. So we got love sacrifices, and love also meets needs. I love how they did this uh, in in the study where it went to Matthew twenty five and uh what you know the part where Jesus says Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. In other words, love meets needs. A great way to love people is to start with meeting their needs. I shared this on Sunday um, you know, talking about the the couple, if you weren't here, there's a great couple that's outreaching, starting a church in the urban New Orleans area, and they're just reaching some people on the street. And really, you know, sometimes they're just meeting their needs. Sometimes they're praying with them, they've seen people, you know, get off drugs in an instant, but sometimes they're just like, love looks like just meeting their needs. Hey, if I'm trying to let me tell you about Jesus. Here's a tract. Here's, you know, can we pray a prayer with you? And they're like, Man, I'm just so hungry. I'm so hungry. They're, they're hungry. They can't hear the truth over their hunger. And that's why Jesus is like, hey, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. So sometimes love is just, just a meal. And so in our relationship with God, he's going he's gonna to lead us. We can expect, I think we should, we should expect God, and I'm, I'm growing in that, expect God to, to give us the clues as to what we're supposed to do with someone who's in need. Because we're not always called to do everything for them, but I, want, I do want to love them. How do I love them, God? And so love is not just words, it's actions. First uh, John 3.16 said, this is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed His life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers, and not just to be out for ourselves. And it's so easy to be out for myself sometimes, isn't it? Where you're just you get kind of focused in on man. I just me, me, me. I mean, whenever you're thinking, I don't, I don't, I, it's not for me yet. You're like, ah, okay. So it's all about me right now. <laughs> it's become all about me. I'm no longer walking in love. <laughs> I'm I'm no longer uh, the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So um, you know it's it's just a good reminder for us to to have this. And really, uh, man, the Sermon on the Mount it's it's a great great thing to read over and over again to to get in your heart. Um, you know it it has so much in there. And in, then at the end, what does Jesus say? He says the one who do, you know, who practices my words is like a man who built his house on the rock. When the storm comes, the wind blows against it, but the house is all good because it had a foundation on the rock. What is, you know, and the one who doesn't is going to get destroyed. You know, what, what, how is the foundation on the rock? By, by practicing what Jesus said. So there's, there's a foundation that's established in my life when I just obey what God is asking me to do. When I'm walking in obedience to what he's called me to do. And so that's how you get a foundation. So if you feel like, man, I'm just being blown all over the place. Check the obedience factor. Check, have God help you check your heart. You know, is there something going on? Check your mouth so you can go, hey, is there something going on in my heart? You know, when my, when my mouth starts being a little more critical <laughs> towards my wife or my kids or whoever, it's like kind of like, Well, it's not just because they're suddenly a much worse person today. They're probably, you know, about the same, or hopefully they grew a little bit in the last 24 hours, right? (laughs) But it's probably me. It's not that I'm just getting a better revelation of what's wrong with people. Um, And I I have to watch myself. You have to know where you watch yourself. That's where I have to watch myself, because I'm a guy who can see what's wrong with something. And so that can get you, that really gets you in trouble in a marriage, (laughs) that can, it can get you in trouble, because my wife does not need to know what I think is wrong with her every single day, right, some of you husbands can listen to that, (laughs) maybe never, (laughs) there might be a couple times, but ask Ronnie or Greg or somebody who knows more than I do, so I don't know. (laughs) So, we're going to flip here for the last 20 minutes um, to talking about mer- purity and marriage and relationships with one another. I mean, it's, this section is so awesome. Um, I re- really enjoyed this. Um, it says, you know, it had us read Genesis uh chapter 2 and verse 18 through 25 where, you know, God brings Eve to Adam and, you know, that she was the, the one for him. And it's, it's a beautiful picture of, of, you know, how we were created to be. You know, we were created male and female and we were created for God to bring us together. Now, again, single people, listen up right now. <laughs> um... Some of you are like, I've moved beyond that. and I understand that. And and that's good. That means you are called to a special relationship and devotion to Jesus. Because it says in the scriptures, and he did walk through this. I'm going off the cuff here. I'm getting off the, the outline here. But, man, when you're single, there's things you can do that us married people cannot do. And so... It's not a hindrance. It's a blessing that God gives you, and a season that God gives you, where He says, "Okay, it's you and me. I'm gonna I'm gonna do something with just you and me." Because when it's it's you and you and you, it's different. Is it is one better than the other? No. It's a season that God has called you to be in, but it's a season where God can do something in your heart where you're ready for whatever next season is. The re- I love the part as well, and I think this is so huge in our um, in our world today. Can we open to 1 Thessalonians 4? I was, let's, let's make sure and read some scripture here. That way you know it's, it's not John... Getting on some high horse here, <laughs> Pastor John has got off on whatever he wanted to say in the last section. First Thessalonians four, verse three, starting in verse three, and I'll read through seven. Here it says, "Remember we were t- uh, for those who who are who've been coming on Sundays um, a few weeks." Well, it's probably been a couple months ago. I did a series where we just talked about what's God's will. And we found places where God said, My will is for you to be joyful and thankful and praying without ceasing. We didn't get back to this one. But I was so happy it was on our lesson this week. Because I was like, okay, here's where I get to go back to this one. And I was praying about it too. I was actually praying like, okay, Lord, I want to get back to that one at some point. So maybe he wants it for tonight. It is God's will... So right now we know this is God's will. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong his brother or sister or take advantage of them. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And so here's the deal. It's God's will for us to be pure. If you want to know what God's will for your life is, as a single person, it is God's will for you to be sexually pure. And I know I might be preaching to the choir here a little bit, but I think it's good for us to preach to the choir and make sure we we all understand, hey, God calls us to purity. That's God's will. You want to know God's will for your relationship? It's purity. I mean, we, you know, even the world thinks, hey, if you're married to someone, don't cheat on them, right? Even, even the world thinks that. But yeah, God is actually including that as well. He's saying, look, when you're married, guess what? I've still called you to purity. I've, I've called you to purity. It, it, keep the marriage bed pure. And for those of you that are married, I encourage you to say, make sure there is a marriage bed still going on. That's good. That's healthy. Because marriage is meant to be a picture of the relationship with the church and Christ. So a good marriage reveals Jesus Christ to the world. And so I want purity, I want passion, I want love, I want intimacy... I want forgiveness. I want, what, what does it look like when Jesus relates to the church? I want all those things to be happening in my marriage. And those of us that are single and not yet married, or not married at this time, God says, hey, look, I want you to wait with me. I want you to, I want you to trust me. I want you to be like Adam where you're like, okay, God, whatever you do. Adam didn't know any better. He didn't have a choice. He didn't know what he was waiting for. (laughs) He just knew that when she arrived, that was good. God said, this is good. And so, you know, it's meant to be good. And I love how they focus here. Man, our our culture is against, you know, know, we're meant to follow the Holy Spirit's leading. I want to read this right here uh, in this workbook. I'm on page 121. At the bottom it says, It is clear that we are called to conduct our relationships with the opposite sex in a different way from the world. We are called to be motivated by the Spirit's leading, not by the lust of the flesh. Uh, What does it say in 1 John 2 and 16? There's the lust of the flesh, there's the lust of the eyes and there's the pride of life um, and those things are... Leading us astray, but the one who does the the will of God is gonna is gonna be is gonna endure forever, basically. And so God knows that you know when you get into the wrong thing, it's gonna cause harm, and that's why He says, "Hey, you gotta trust Me." I mean, to me, that was that was the big thing. In purity, purity is just trusting God. Is God gonna be able to meet my needs? Uh, relationships that are built on a foundation of purity have. A, have honor have a excuse me relationships built on purity have a foundation of honor and trust relationships built upon lustful passion are in opposition to God's spirit and will never lead us to the mate God knows you want and need now here's the deal what if you say well back then I had no clue I wasn't even trying to follow God and I I got married to somebody guess what God's called you to be married to that person, as plain and simple as that. He's called you to go ahead, and you're know, like, I didn't even think, I didn't even pray, I didn't even seek God at all. And God says, "Hey, you're seeking me now." That's them. That's the one you're committed to. That's the one you're you're laying down your lives. You're loving each other. That's that's who you're called to. And uh, again, it's got to be both. You all. You all know that. You've walked through some things. Some of you have walked through divorce. And you know how painful it is. Um, and we're in a broken world. But God says, hey, right now, let's keep what you're in pure. Let's keep what you're in holy. Let's, let's keep the, the fence around your relationships where you have a proper boundary in your relationships. And so... Um, there's so much in this section. There's so many scriptures uh, that talk about our devotion to God, our our seeking Him first, our trusting in God's goodness. I love that. Because that's really what it's about. Because what happens when we're unhappy, if we're unhappy in our marriage, um, again, I'm not saying, I'm not telling anybody to stay in an abusive relationship. Can we just clear that up right now? I'm not saying if someone's if someone is physically harming you, you can you get out of that situation. If someone is... Repeatedly cheating on you and is not faithful to you, it may be time to get out of that situation so let's that's on the record as well um, but if that's not going on, then God's saying, "Hey, look, I want redemption i wa- I want to work in your heart i want i want to work I want to work on the inside uh you're married to someone who doesn't know the Lord. Hey, let God work on you and let your light shine and see what God does in them don't don't force them, but you walk." and understanding with uh, trusting in God. Really, that really is what it boils down to, is trusting God. If you're single, you're trusting in God. You're trusting that He's going to meet your needs. There's some needs that, you know, we all have that we want companionship or we want this or we want that. And God says, hey, in this season, I'm the one that meets those needs, but you have to trust Me. When you get married... I always thought getting married, man, would be a lot easier. (laughs) Now I go back and go, oh man, it would be way easier to be single. I'm serious. (laughs) would. It's a lot easier. It's just you. You got to worry just about you. And so uh, when you get married, guess what? You get to trust God. You get to trust God. Trust that God is working in that person too. That you're not God and you don't get to work on their heart. It's really all an issue of trust. And that's why I love that they bring that up in this section. Um, and at the end, I think it really um, sums it up. So 122, I'm just going to close with this. Because um, I think this is great. And this can apply to not just relationships with uh, one another... Uh, with opposite sex and all that, but um, I think it can apply to a of stuff. But God's Word teaches us to walk by faith, not sight. If your choice is based on human wisdom alone, can you be certain that that person is the right one for you? God in His infinite wisdom knows what you need. In other words, it's all trust again. The mate He has for you will complete your life at every level. You will you will add your strengths to one another. Why not join the thousands of young or old people who've seen the truth of this message and are now walking in the great liberty that the Spirit brings? As you commit this area of your life to Him, you will know the great blessing of being free from concern and from divided interests. As a result, you will be able to give undistracted devotion to the Lord. He will bring His perfect will to pass in your life as you trust in Him. And then it quotes a scripture. There it says, "Present your bodies to God." This is Romans 12:1 as a living sacrifice and don't be conformed to this world but be transformed by changing the way you think so so that you can learn what the will of God is. You can be assured that the promise which follows of seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, excuse me, I skipped that, dare to believe God for his perfect choice. Seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. You can be assured that the promise which follows this commitment will also come true. All these things will be added unto you really comes down to that right there. Seeking first his kingdom and for us as married people that we're meant meant—we're meant for our marriages to reveal Jesus and the church. To reveal what the relationship of Jesus is to the church. It says that in Ephesians that hey this is a picture of the church in Christ. And he's talking about marriage he says hey this is what it looks like. So man that's that's a promise and to me again it's the promise of saying and you better do this, or I'm going to be no it's the promise of saying, "Hey, this is possible. It's possible to have a good marriage with Jesus. Is it easy I uh, haven't got there yet. <laughs> Let you know after I've only got thirteen and a half years, okay, so I'm very early on in in the deal. I pray I'm very early on in the thing, but uh it's possible for our lives to display Jesus, whether that's where they are married, where we're single, whatever place we're in, that God calls us, it's God's will for purity in every area of our lives. And so, again, I think it's a good idea, just let God check in on us, check our hearts, what's going on in my heart, because really when I see something on the outside uh, that's going on, there's, it's a heart issue. And so I need God to come into my soul and and, and and bring some healing. So let's close in prayer. Father, we just thank you for all that you've shared tonight. And Jesus, we thank you for the promises and in, in the, the Beatitudes where, Lord, that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. And so we know that when we seek after you, God, we're going to be filled. We know that the, the pure in heart will see God. Lord, when we when our hearts are pure, there's a revelation of who you are. Lord, we get to see a better picture of you. Uh, the pure in heart will see. God, there's so much so much promise there. There's so much uh, availability, Lord, a blessing, Lord, that we can walk in. And so we want to choose to walk in that. We want our hearts to be open before you. We lay our lives before you. And we thank you for our new life in Christ, uh, Lord. Whether we've been walking with you for one day or one decade or ten decades well, five decades or six decades or seven decades, Lord, we we thank you, Lord, that there is still new life every single day because you're in us. And so we rejoice in that, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to continue to form us into the image of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen. All right, be blessed. Next week is 15 and 16. And so we'll be we'll be on the body of Christ and uh, God's government commitment to the body of Christ it's going to be a great time so.